Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to all of our campuses. I'm Tim Harlow. I was the one in the middle. I'm the senior pastor. Our campus pastor's on both sides. Uh, I just want to tell you right up front, if you're watching this and your service, your campus is a little overcrowded, don't worry. We have overflow seating. No one from United Airlines will be contacted, okay? <laughs> we will never be overbooked. That's why we're doing 20 services. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, Stranger Things is like this hot new show on Netflix. It's set in the 80s, and it's about a parallel universe that exists right beside the one that we know, okay? So we're starting this series today to kind of talk about some of the supernatural things that happened in the Bible. Promise it won't be as creepy as Stranger Things, but there is some crazy stuff that happened in the Bible. A donkey talks, okay? Next week, I'm coming back. I'm going to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which are these three guys that get thrown into this furnace and don't burn up. It's a great story and a, and a great encouragement because we all go through times when we need encouragement from God. We need to know that he's going to go through the fire with us. So, so be back for that. And, and again, thank you for being with us Easter weekend. Super weird when it's Easter weekend and tax weekend the same time. It kind of happens every once in a while. By the way, next year, April Fool's is Easter Day. Okay, I just saw Yeah, I look ahead on these things, so be prepared. I don't know what's going to happen. This year, two things are certain in life, right? Death and taxes, same weekend. Boom, we got it, right? I mean, hey, we need to pay our taxes. Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But it's hard because you know how much money the government wastes, right? There was a big stink several years ago about how NASA spent $600 on a toilet seat. So I ended up owing some money on my tax return. I sent him a toilet seat. We'll see how it goes. The, The good news about being at church this weekend is that it's exemption day. Think about it. Two things are certain, death and taxes. Church is tax-exempt and death-exempt. Can I get a hallelujah from you? Come on, that's good. You're not all white Catholics in here. Come on. I'm sticking it to the tax man and the grim reaper on the same weekend. This is great. Everything I give to God is exempt, my money, my life. And I love it when death and taxes are the same weekend. But I get that resurrection is hard to accept. I mean, I do get that. I mean, talk about stranger things. This is the number one strange thing. Jesus rose from the dead, and I can too. Maybe you've been to Easter services all your life, and you don't really process how strange this is. Do you get how strange this is? It's hard to believe that supernatural stuff is going to happen. It says in the Bible that even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe him. Even his own family, it says even his brothers did not believe in him. You know, I mean, think about this. It'd be tough to be Jesus' brother, right? What do you say when your dad says, why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you be more like my brother, dad? I don't know. What's your response? It's hard to put that together. His disciples at times doubted him. One of them betrayed him. One of them denied him. All of them ran at the first sign of trouble. I understand your doubts, okay? I just want to tell you right up front today, you need to believe me. I have proof. Here's last year's Easter sermon. It's like asking, do you believe the Cubs will win the World Series someday? Right? I mean, sure, all, I mean, you got to be a real hater to to not say, if they keep playing baseball, you know, and the world keeps spinning over the next two, three hundred years, the odds are that the Cubs are going to win the World Series. That's not faith. That's statistics, okay? Faith is, do you believe the Cubs will win the World Series this year? 
One person, excellent. One person of faith, see? You see what I mean? I mean, that's a little different. Like, oh, oh, wait a minute. I'm not sure I can go that far. Real faith is putting money on the Cubs winning the World Series this year. How rich would you be right now? I'm just saying, okay? So forget about your belief. Forget about whether you believe in faith, any of that stuff right now. Let's just ask some practical questions. If Jesus really did rise from the dead, what, what does it mean? Practically speaking, what does it mean? I mean, uh, around the world over the next 48 hours, 24 hours, billions of people are going to celebrate this resurrected Jesus. So what would it mean if it was true? Number one, I think Jesus is who he claims he is. He is who he claimed to be. Jesus made some outrageous claims when he was here on earth. He said things like, I'm God, and I'm the only way to heaven, and I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. The problem is a lot of people try to make Jesus out to be a good teacher. And I want to tell you, I don't think you can be a good teacher and a liar. Do you? I could go and teach all kinds of people all kinds of great moral truths, but at the point where I start saying, I'm God and I have superpowers, and I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again, you're going to stop showing up to my seminars, right? One day some people were in the temple selling stuff and Jesus ran them out. And they said, hey, whose authority do you have to do this? And he said, because I'm God. And they said, prove it. And he said, I'm going to die. You're going to kill me, actually. And I'm going to raise again three days later. What do you do with that? No matter what you believe about me, it would be pretty easy to figure out that either I'm not a very good teacher because I'm still in the tomb and I must have just been in the wrong bag of gummy bears that day, or you're going to figure out that I was so much more than a good teacher. Here's, here's what I believe is the continuum of believing in Jesus, okay? You got on one side, that dude was goofy. Jesus was goofy. He was just crazy. And you got on this side, God, all right? Now, here's my problem. My problem is that a lot of people want to put something in between. He's a good teacher, right? And so maybe you're here today and you're like, well, I don't want to say that he was goofy. I don't want to say that he was mad. I don't want to say that he was insane. I think he was a good teacher, so I'm right here maybe on the line, or I'm right here right maybe on the line. I can't go to here yet, but I'm right here. <laughs> Listen, there is no right here. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, don't listen to anything that he said. It's all out the window. If he did rise from the dead, then he really is who he claimed to be. And secondly, he has the power he claimed to have. He said, all power on earth and in heaven has been given to me. He, he, he told Pilate, nobody takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to pick it back up again. It's my decision. No force could keep him in the tomb. Pilate, when he gets ready to bury him, the Jews are all upset because they know, they think the, the disciples may steal the body because Jesus obviously claimed that he was going to rise again. And Pilate said, take a guard and go make the tomb as secure as you know how. I love this. As secure as you know how. Well, what does that mean? Well, they took a guard bunch of guards. They rolled a stone in front of it, right? Maybe some gorilla glue around the crack so that, you know, anything that they could do. But if Jesus has the power, there's nothing you can do. There's absolutely nothing you can do. It would be like me trying to keep LeBron James from scoring in a game of one-on-one -on -one basketball. 
There's no way. Plus, even if I tried, he'd just whine and they'd call a foul on me anyway. So it doesn't really matter, does it? If Jesus really did rise from the dead and he really is God, then he really does have resurrection power. That's all I'm saying. I'm not asking you to believe in it. The second question for that would be, how does it affect you? How does it affect you? If, if it was true, whether you believed it or not, how could it affect you? And I know that it's hard to put ourselves in that first century Easter cemetery kind of a uh, place in our mind. So I decided to go film a little teaching segment in a local cemetery to maybe help set the mood for you and unpack a little bit of what happened on that very first Easter morning. I feel like there's a disconnect between the tomb in the Easter scene in our minds and what reality would have been. Some of you like me grew up with a sunrise service on Easter, right? Except it was inside, so you just didn't get the idea. So I decided to go on location here in Mokina, St. John's Cemetery. This is a respectful place where we lay the remains of our loved ones. That's where they went. Here's a picture of me at the tomb of Jesus that um, you know, might, might be the tomb of Jesus. It's not the official one in Israel. It's the one they say could have been. You know, you get the feel of it. You can kind of see there's a stone that's rolled away. The, the traditional site where he probably was buried is all covered over with churches and statues and all kinds of stuff. And by the way, we're going to Israel next fall. Take anybody who wants to go if you want to go visit. It's a, it's a great experience to be in that kind of a place. That's kind of what I wanted to recreate today. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible because the apostle John is writing this. He's the one who's saying, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved, like he loved me more than anybody else. And by the way, we were running to the tomb and I won the race. It just makes me laugh because it's just more proof the Bible has to be true. If you were making up the Bible, you wouldn't put stuff like this in. It's just great. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, went into the tomb. The other disciple who reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. John saying, I was there, I got there, I saw the empty tomb, I saw and believed. The assumption is that Peter saw and believed also. The problem is there were other people there and they didn't see and believe. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Why was she crying? Because she didn't. She, she didn't believe. She couldn't grasp the idea that you come to a place like this where the body of your loved one is supposed to be laid and it's not there anymore. And she couldn't grasp the idea that if it wasn't there, maybe he was alive. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. Even seeing angels didn't help. They asked her this question, woman, why are you crying? I'll tell you why she's crying, because hopelessness doesn't leave the door open for miracles. 
Who is Mary Magdalene? I mean, the church has made some stuff up about her over the years, but one thing that we do know for sure is that she was demon-possessed. I mean, think this through. She's been rescued from possession by demons. I don't know if you get that, but picture some movie scenes in your mind, maybe some stuff that you've seen along the way. And not only was she possessed by a demon, the Bible tells us that she was possessed by seven demons. She had dark, grumpy, sneezy, dopey, you know. I mean, really, it would have been more serious than that. It would have been like, like Damien and Jason and Chucky. I mean, think, think about who this woman was and who she became after Jesus rescued her. That was the despair that Mary had come from. So she became like the most faithful disciple of Jesus. We know Mary Magdalene was at the cross. Mary Magdalene has come very early in the morning to this place so she can anoint the body of Jesus. Why is that? Because her life had been changed from demon possession to freedom. And she'd seen it happen over and over and over again in the lives of people all around her. She, she was a faithful follower of Jesus, but now her hope was gone because his body was gone. And she just couldn't process the fact that maybe he was really alive. Hopelessness is like that. It doesn't leave the door open for miracles. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you've showed up here for this Easter service and, and you're feeling the same way. Maybe life was going well and now it's not. Maybe it's just not gone well for a long time. The first question was, why are you crying? Why are you crying? If hopelessness is all you've got, then that's your reaction. You can't believe, you can't believe that something supernatural might have happened. I mean, look at Mary. Her faith is shaken. Look at Peter, look at John. They get there, they're fast runners. They get to the tomb and they instantly believe. She's heard the same dialogue with Jesus that they have. She's heard him say, I'm going to rise again. They go in, they look. I don't even know if they saw the angels. They're there, they believe she can't do it. What is the difference? The difference is the level of hopelessness. And Mary, Mary sees angels. I mean, I, I understand this. One's standing at the head of where Jesus was and one's at the feet of where Jesus was, but they're angels dressed in white. I mean, I understand that sometimes the Bible says we don't recognize angels when we see them. Maybe this, maybe they look like Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life. I don't know, but, but, but she just doesn't wanna see the hope because hopelessness doesn't leave the door open for miracles. I understand that's where we're at sometimes. I get that, okay? What I'm saying is, look around. Maybe there are some angels around. Maybe there are grave clothes lying in an unexplained position. Maybe the tomb is empty for a reason. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her this question, woman, why are you crying? And then he adds to it, who is it that you're looking for? I think that's the deeper question. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Who are you looking for? She's got an empty tomb. She's got angels. Peter and John walked in and believed instantly and left. The grave clothes are lying there all put together. The Bible says they're all folded up. I mean, why, why would that happen? Why, why would they fold them up? I think it just, it just shows neatness. It just shows like this is done, okay? 
It's like when I do laundry, my wife always wants me to fold up the fitted sheets. Why? I'm not gonna wear them, we're gonna sleep on them. But, but they're folded up, right? All of these signs that are all there, and then Jesus is there, and she still doesn't recognize Jesus. And he says, why are you crying? And he says, who is it you're looking for? And I think the answer to that question is, she was looking for dead Jesus. She didn't have any room for he's alive. That made all the difference. Jesus turned to her and said, Mary. And finally she recognized his voice. She turned towards him and cried out, teacher, rabbi. Then she believed. She couldn't recognize him because hopelessness doesn't leave the door open for miracles. I gotta ask you, what's going on in your life? Why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Is it possible that he's standing right in front of you? Easter is supposed to bring hope, but it depends on what you're looking for. It brought hope to Peter and John because they believed. It took a while for Mary Magdalene because she was hopeless. It's all about what you're expecting. Like the guy who was a limo driver I read about. The guy behind him in the back tapped him on the shoulder to tell him where to go. And it startled the limo driver so much he drove into the ditch. Afterwards, the, the, the man in the back was like, oh, I'm so sorry to mean to startle you. And the limo driver said, no, no, it's not your fault. This is my first day driving a limo. Been driving a hearse for the last 25 years. <laughs> Just depends on what you're looking for. See what I'm saying? So who are you looking for? Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Are you looking for dead Jesus or are you looking for live Jesus? That's the question. Let me put it this way. Does Jesus' life end with a D or an S? Was it a D or an S? Is it Jesus lived or Jesus lives? Every other religious leader who ever lived ends with a D. I guess, I mean, it's actually an E-D. I thought about that. You know, I could have a phone with a sermon title. Do you or someone you love suffer from ED? But I'm above that, okay? I'm not going to have Bob Dole pictures or anything. Let's just go with D. Mary Magdalene was suffering with a D, all right? Is it a D or an S? Do you believe that Jesus lived or do you believe that he lives? And what difference does that make? Well, if you believe that it's a D, it goes something like this. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, thank you very much, and so is your faith. That's hopelessness with a D. However, if you're living with an S, it changes everything. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you see the difference between a D and an S? For Peter and John, it was visual. Their eyes were enough. For Mary, she needed her ears. I'm telling you that Jesus will meet you wherever you need him to meet you. For Mary, her hope was voice activated. Jesus said to her, Mary... Finally, he spoke to her. She looked at him and didn't figure it out, but finally he spoke to her, and she turned and said, Rabbi. Her faith was voice-activated. Her hope was voice-activated. She turned her from a, of a lived to a lives, from a D to an S. Maybe the question isn't what Jesus asked, who are you looking for? Maybe it's who are you listening to? I mean, that's the whole deal with the supernatural and with stranger things and everything else. I know that God is talking. I know that he's talking to many of you right now. Are you listening? The shepherd opens the gate, Jesus said. 
and the sheep listen to his voice. And he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door, and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I can't prove this to you because it's supernatural. I can't prove this to you because this this thing happened 2,000 years ago. If you want proof, the Case for Christ movie is out. It's getting great reviews. It's about our friend Lee Strobel, who was an investigative reporter and tried to study his wife out of Christianity and instead investigated himself into Christianity. It's a great book. It's a great movie if you want want some more proof things. But the, the bottom line here is the only way that you live in a D or an S is with your heart. It's with your hope. It's with your faith. Do you believe? I know who I'm looking for. I know who I'm listening to, and I found him. It's important to me because I'm getting closer to dying someday. I keep getting closer and closer. It's important to me because I have some very close friends right now who are much, much closer than I am. And it's important to me because I've already got loved ones whose bodies are buried in cemeteries like that one, and so do you. It's funny to me that when Mary sees Jesus and hears Jesus and finally gets that he's Jesus, she calls him rabbi. She calls him teacher. She didn't mean disrespect by it. That was just the term. But please don't forget that he, if he's an S instead of a D, don't forget that he's more than a good teacher. I think Thomas had the better reaction. When Thomas, who was a doubter, finally got to see Jesus, it says, Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. That's living with an S. It may take more for you than somebody else, Maybe it's taking more time for you than somebody else. I get it. I'm just saying there is no this option. There is no good teacher option. Either he's goofy and he's D and so are we, or he's God and you need to acknowledge that today and live in the S knowing that someday we're going to live in the S forever. It's interesting about the the women in the tomb. Max Licata writes about this, brought out a very, very interesting point about this scene. He said, the women are there. They're the first to arrive at the grave. Early on that Sunday morning, they have a somber task. The morning promises one encounter, an encounter with a corpse. There was a time when they dreamed dreams, but not now. The feet that walked on water have been pierced. The hands that healed lepers have been stilled. Noble aspirations have been spiked into Friday's cross. Mary and Mary have come to a place to put warm oils on a cold body and bid farewell to the one man who gave reason for their hope. Matthew's version. At this time, there was a strong earthquake. An angel of the Lord came down from heaven, went to the tomb, and rolled the stone away from the entrance. Then he sat on the stone. Now, I have to ask you a question, Max writes. Why did the angel move the stone? For whom did he roll away the rock? For Jesus... That's what I always thought. I just assumed that the angel moved the stone so Jesus could come out. But think about it. Did the stone have to be removed in order for Jesus to exit? 
Did God have to help? Was the death conqueror so weak that he couldn't push away a rock? Hey, could somebody help me get out of here? I don't think so. The text gives the impression that Jesus was already out when the stone was moved. That's interesting, isn't it? Nowhere in the Gospels does it say the angel moved the stone for Jesus. Well, if not, then for whom was the stone moved? Listen to what the angel says in Matthew's version. Come and see the place where his body was. I believe the stone was moved not for Jesus, but for the women. Not so that Jesus could come out, but so that the women could see in. The lesson, three words, don't give up. Is the trail dark? Don't sit. Is the road long? Don't stop. Is the night black? Don't quit. God is watching. For all you know, right at this moment, he may be telling the angel to move the stone. Don't quit. For if you do, you may miss the answer to your prayers. Because God still sends angels. And God still moves stones. I believe that. I believe that all of this stuff was for us to be able to live in the S. And the reason we celebrate Easter is so that we can live in the S. And I know, I know, I know, I know what some of you are thinking. You're listening online. You're listening to me right now at our campuses. And you're thinking, man, I wish that was true. But Tim, you don't know me. It couldn't possibly be for me. And that's the most beautiful part of this story. They didn't deserve it either. Do you think that Jesus died for demon Mary and not for you? Do you think that he died for Peter, the gutless, blaspheming disciple, and not you? Do you think he he died for John, that fast-running John guy, the disciple who Jesus loved, who, by the way, also had his mom go to Jesus and ask him if he could be vice president one day and not you? Do you think that he died for Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, who was a converted terrorist of Christians and not you? Don't get me started on the Old Testament with Noah the drunk and Abe the liar and Moses the murderer and David the adulterer murderer. Don't, Don't even get me started on that. And hey, forget about all that if you don't know any of those stories, look up, look up here at me. You don't have to look very far for an example of grace because I'm in the same boat as you. I've sinned as much as you have and I'm still saved by grace and so are you. No, I can't explain it. All I can do is believe it. Easter's for everyone and that changes everything for me. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. Doesn't matter what you did. Demon Mary, blasphemous Peter, whoever you are, sinner Tim, it doesn't matter. Will not be condemned. He has, there's that word again, crossed over from death to life. Notice the S, right? It's an S has. It's not a D. It's not past tense. Had life. It's not even a V. Future tense. Will have life. It's an S. It's now. It's available to us now. Hopelessness doesn't leave the door open for miracles, but hopefulness does. That's all I'm asking you. The New Testament uses the word hope 71 times. It's a good word. 
70 of those times are after the resurrection. That's what this is about. Hope is available to us now. Hear the word and believe. As we prepare for communion, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to the gospel today. Ask you to open your eyes of your heart and the ears of your heart to the fact that Jesus is here. He's an S. And believe that you can be also. That's why he died. My kids have a game they play with my grandson. They, they live in Nashville. He's two and a half and um, is going to be having a little brother or a little sister any minute now. Like this is her due date today. So I think the little dude is just waiting for Papa to get done with Easter before he pops out. So be praying for my daughter, Rachel. But they got this little game they do with, uh, you know, with Charlie. Uh, do I love you this much? Do I love you this much? Do I love you this much? Everybody's done that with their kids at some point along the way, right? I'm going to show you the video because I know how much you love my grandchildren. And I just got to give you a little, a little, uh, you know, disclaimer. It's a little hard to understand. He's having a hard time, you know, learning to talk well yet, uh, pronunciate very well, uh, because his dad's from England and his mom's from Chicago and he lives in Nashville. So, <laughs> what do you expect? I do want all No. 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 I want all No. no. I want all no. no. I want a gimme. Yeah. I want a gimme. No. I want a gimme. No. I want a gimme. No. I want a gimme. Yeah. It's a fun game with kids. It was a little more serious for Jesus because he went straight for the I love you this much clincher. And he put his arms out and they nailed him to the cross. And he died for you and me. That's the whole story. There's nothing else he could have done. Brennan Manning is one of my favorite authors. He's a Catholic priest. Um, his name wasn't always Brennan. He had a best friend named Ray Brennan growing up. They did everything together. They bought cars together. They double dated. Signed up for the army together. They went to war together. And in a foxhole where they were, they were together one day, fighting in a battle, a hand grenade rolled into their foxhole. Manning said, my friend Ray looked at me, smiled, and jumped on the hand grenade before I had a chance to. It blew up and he died. That's when Manning decided he needed to give his life fully to God and become a priest. And if you know anything about the priesthood, the way that whole thing works is they encourage you to take on the name of a saint. Manning said, I had a pretty simple decision. So he took the last name of his best friend, Brennan, as his first name and became Brennan Manning. Been a great example of godliness throughout the years. One day he said, years later, I was visiting with Ray's mom in Brooklyn he said, for some reason, I just thought, I don't know why I need to ask this, but I just do. Do you think Ray really loved me? And he said, Mrs. Manning, who didn't always have the proper context of how to use the Lord's name, said, Jesus Christ, what more could he have done for you? Manning said, at that moment, I had an epiphany. Standing before the throne of God, saying, God, do you really love me? And having Mary 
pop into the discussion and say, Jesus Christ, what more could he have done for you? That's all I can tell you. And all you can do is believe. I'm gonna give you a chance to turn your D into an S right now. Pray with me. Lord, a lot of Easter's under my belt. A lot of sunrise services back in the day. A lot of Easter services. 27 years of them at this church. And the story never gets old because it's where my hope is. That S is so important to me. Who I'm looking for is a live Jesus. Who I'm looking for is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in you will not perish. God, thank you for sending your son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I claim that today. But it all comes from my faith. It all comes from my belief. I can't prove it. There are people here right now listening to me online, wherever they are. People listening to me right now who are thinking, well, let's see, on that, on that, on that line that he drew, I've never really fully gotten over to the God part, but maybe I should. Will you knock really loudly on the door of their heart right now? And people, as you're listening to me, would you just pray with me if you're in that situation and you want to circle the God on that line and you want to say yes to Jesus, just pray this with me. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of the living God. And I believe that you are the savior of the universe. And I accept you in my heart to be my Lord. I accept the forgiveness that you came to die on the cross for. I believe that you love me this much. I accept. I'm going to live my life for you. I'm going to follow you. I know I'm not always going to be perfect. I know I got stuff in my life I need to get better. But I know that happens through your power not through my power. I know that an S is the only way to live my life now and the only way that I will live forever. So I'm crossing that line from death to life. Lord, thank you. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me right now, would you just take another step of faith? Everybody keep your eyes closed. Just take another step of faith and raise your hand. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over the hands that are raised. And just keep your eyes closed. I want you to know there are hands up all over the auditorium. There have been this whole weekend, and there will continue to be as people are saying yes to Jesus. Will you keep praying for them? And people, I want to pray for you right now, okay? Let me just do this. Lord God, I want to pray for those who have their hands up. I want to pray for those who said yes to you because I know that it's not easy. I know that it's a stranger thing. It's a supernatural thing, but our hearts are open to you. We're opening the door and letting you in. Come in and fill us and for all of us as we prepare for communion please help us to feel your presence in this place you are alive you are the resurrection and the life whoever believes in you though they die yet will they live we claim that in Jesus name